Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. Well, this morning we're going to review just a little bit from last week in regards to the hope of his calling. And we're also going to then jump into the next uh, very important part of Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, and that is the riches of glory uh, through the inheritance that he has given to us. And so let's read this morning per our lesson plan, uh, beginning in 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2. And just a couple verses there that are very important to review what we talked about last week. 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And this is a good lead-in to our discussion our lesson this week on the riches of glory. Listen very carefully how they work together. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, loved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you, through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the, to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or mouth or by letter from us. So notice, we were chosen in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world for salvation through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and by our faith in the truth. And then the next verse is so important, verse 14. And it was for this great salvation that God called you through the gospel that you may gain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. God called us through the gospel for a reason, to gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? That is absolutely critically important for us to be able to powerfully influence the world for good. And so my prayer is that you and I would understand what really Paul is asking God for in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. Let's turn there right now. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. Remember, Paul is, is uh, offering up a prayer request uh, for the Ephesians. This is a wonderful prayer request that we should pray for each other and for the churches around the country and the world. Take a look with me once again in verse 18. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know. He wants us to know these things. What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And he says here, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? How important it is then for us now to focus on this second of the three prayer requests that Paul makes found in there in verse 18. 
He wants us to know what are the riches of the glory of, of his inheritance in the saints. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. You know, if, if you've ever noticed people that have a ton of money, a lot of money, they dress differently and, and they kind of act differently. They have a confidence, although it's a bravado that's built upon money. And we know that money shakes out and can go away. In fact, if your life savings was in the stock market after this pandemic really started to take hold, the stock market crashed. And so, you know, all of that investment that you had went away. You see, the Bible says money grows wings and flies away. And so these people that have this false bravado, this this clothes that have been purchased by money and, and this confidence that's been that's been inflated by money, which is passing away, well, that confidence isn't real. Remember, our hope is built upon that which is absolutely rock solid, as Kaylee was saying this morning in her prayer request, that God is steadfast and movable. And so we need to recognize that our confidence is not built upon things that are passing away, but our confidence is built upon the truth of God's word that is unchanging in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has given us riches. And that's what's so important. He's given us riches. How has he given us riches? And what are these riches all about? Now, there's three questions in your lesson plan. So take a look at your lesson plan right now. And if you don't have one, if you want to write, write the three questions down, we're going to answer. That would be great. The first question is, what is his inheritance in the saints? That's so important to know what is the inheritance that we have in the saints. And then point number two, what are the riches of his glory? I mean, it's, it's good to know that we're rich, but what are the riches that we have? And, and then the last question that's so important on the back is, why has he given us the riches of his glory? And really, that's really the most critical. The fact that we have been given the riches of glory in Christ Jesus is awesome. But to ask the question, why, Lord, why did you give me all these riches? so that we now can practically use those riches to change our life and change the world. So let's begin this morning in point number one. The question is, uh, what is his inheritance in the saints? And notice the lesson plan says, Christ's spirit given is the promise, the pledge or the promise of his inheritance. That word pledge in the scriptures that we're about to read means down payment or earnest for the whole redemption of ourselves. Let's look this morning now in the first verse that I'd like you to take a look at. Just jump up the page from uh, Ephesians 1.18. Let's read verses 13 and 14. It talks about the inheritance. In verse 13, In him or in Christ you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed that gospel, you were sealed in him. You were sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise, who, or the, the Spirit, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. The Spirit is given as a promise of our inheritance, a, an, a down payment of our inheritance. And we've talked about this before. You know, down payment is really important when you buy a house. You put money down on a house because you're promising that you're going to buy that house. Well, God gave his only son and then gave us 
the spirit of his son, Jesus Christ, to dwell in us as a promise, as a pledge, as a down payment for the total redemption of our bodies. You see, if you go to the book of Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27, it says that God wanted to make known what are the riches of his glory in the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, the fullness of the redemption is going to be our bodies completely and totally glorified, transformed into the same exact glory as Christ Jesus on the last day. But he's given us a down payment, the Holy Spirit, through whom we are given the riches of his glory. See, the Holy Spirit inside of us grants us that we possess right now the riches of his glory. The Spirit is the down payment. It's the pledge. Now, there's other verses that teach the same thing. And I want to quickly look at those verses and then give you a little bit of homework assignment for this very first point. What is the inheritance? The inheritance is the glory of God manifests fully in us when we see him face to face on the last day. But the down payment is the riches of glory that come through the indwelling presence of the Spirit of Christ. Let's look at these verses really quickly now. Another verse I want you to look at is Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. Romans 8, verse 16 and 17. This is such an awesome passage because it shows that God did choose us. Um, when I went to Belarus just recently, uh, there were two little children and their father had just committed suicide, and it was a horrible thing. And uh, the little girl, eight years old, much like the little girl that I first met in Belarus that, that captured my heart and helped me to devote my life to helping the people in Belarus, um, this little girl, her, her father had just committed suicide and put the suicide note in her lunch bag. What a sad and horrible thing. And, and they were in this orphanage. They were just pulled out of the home and, and her little brother, Maxime. And, and uh, I was just crushed. And I wanted to adopt those kids so bad. I would have chosen them right now and I would have taken them home right then. And my wife probably would have not been too happy, but uh, sweet children. See, I would have chose them. I would have personally chose them to make the sacrifice to make them my children. And see, that's what God has done for us. Take a look at this passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. It says here in verse 16, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God and of children heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. You see, we are co-heirs with Christ. And all that he has been given, we are to be given, and we have been given the earnest, the promise, the pledge, the beginning, the first fruits of the fullness of glory through the riches of glory that we now possess. Look at the next passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. Let's confirm the fact that the Spirit is given to us as a part of our inheritance. So 1 Corinthians and chapter 1 and verse 21, a great passage of scripture that confirms this fact once again. For since in the wisdom of God, oh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, you're all at 2 Corinthians and I'm at 1 Corinthians. Sorry about that. 
2 Corinthians and chapter 1 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. Now he who established us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Same exact word. As a down payment. A down payment for what? The fullness of of the glory that we'll possess on the last day. Read, uh, by the way, read Philippians in chapter 3, uh, verses 21 through following, when you have time this afternoon. That talks about our being made into the likeness of, of Christ perfectly at his coming for us. And so let's read one more. 2 Corinthians 5, 5, again, confirming the fact that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is a pledge, a pledge of our inheritance uh, in God. And chapter 5 and verse 5 of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5. Now he, now God, who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Now if you read that in context, verses 1 through 5, it actually talks about the new mansion, the new home, the new glorified body that we're going to receive on the last day when we ascend into heaven and uh, are seated uh, with him fully clothed in glory. How exciting that is. He's given us the down payment. He's given us the riches of his glory now for a reason, for a purpose. But we have to ask the question, what are the riches of glory? That's my second point. Take a look at your note sheets if you have them or write it down. The second point is what are the riches of glory? Now that's a great question. Let's go and take a look. You see, we need to recognize that the riches of glory are his manifest character given to us through his spirit. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. Throughout the book of Ephesians, we see so much written about the Holy Spirit given to us and the riches and the power that have given, are given through us through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I encourage you to go back and look up the words mystery and promise and Holy Spirit and riches of glory, riches of Christ, unfathomable riches of Christ. They're all here in the book of Ephesians. Powerful. Well, look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 excuse me, Ephesians chapter 3 and um, verse 16, yes. And uh, he that this is the prayer that we just prayed earlier, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So notice he says here that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. He's already given you the riches of glory according to the statement that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory, that you would be strengthened by the spirit in the inner man. So we already have the riches of glory and they are powerful to strengthen us to be able to serve God the way he has called us to be served. And so again, we have to ask the question, what are the riches of this glory? We know that we have them now. We see it stated in Ephesians chapter one and verse 18. And we see it here stated once again in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. And so take a look uh, with me to the book of Colossians in chapter 1. Colossians in chapter 1. The riches of glory are spoken of once again. 
And in, in Colossians in chapter 1, let's begin in verse 25 to get a little bit of a context here. That would be great. And so verse 25 is where we want to start, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 25. And notice what the Apostle Paul says. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is mystery. So when you find the word mystery, it's talking about the Holy Spirit and the riches of glory. But let's continue to read here. He says, that is, verse 26, that is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, revealed to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the confident expectation of full glory at his coming. But notice it says in verse 27, to whom God willed to make known, to whom the saints, you and I, God desired to make known what are the riches of his glory that are given to us through the Holy Spirit. It says it right there very, very clearly, and we read it in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1 and verse 18, how important that is. Let me encourage you to read a couple other passages this afternoon based upon this passage right here in Colossians 1 verse 26 and 27. Would you mind writing these down right now and checking them out? Powerful passages of scripture talking about the riches of God's glory in Christ Jesus. The first one I'd like you to, to write down is to read very carefully Ephesians chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. It speaks about the, the riches of the glory of Christ. In fact, the unfathomable riches of Christ and it's, they're found in the mystery. Of course, we now know the mystery is Christ in you. Christ in you, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. How important that is. And so take a look at this one, not just Ephesians 3 verses 1 through 10, but also take a look at Colossians 2 verses 1, 2, and 3, which follows up, uh, obviously, Ephesians you know, 1 verse 25 through 27. But, but the context is powerful here, brethren, to understand that the mystery, Christ in you, really is manifest in the riches of glory. And the riches of glory come to us through the indwelling presence of the Spirit. Now, you're still asking, well, Bill, you haven't answered the question, what are the riches of glory? Well, I'm holding that off for just a moment because I want you to realize that you already possess the riches of glory. You already are a rich man, a rich woman in Christ Jesus. So that fake bravado that the rich man in the world by money has and the, the nice clothes he wears and the, and the confidence he has, that is all built on sand. But our confidence if we understand that we are filled with the riches of his glory, our confidence in the riches of God is steadfast and sure. And when you begin to use those riches to serve him, the power that begins to manifest itself, not just in your life, but in the lives of others, is absolutely astounding and amazing. And if you understand how to do that, as I hope to share this morning, it's, it's going to be amazing what will happen uh, in your life and in the lives of those around you. Now let's answer the question, what are the riches of glory? When you continue to read through the book of Colossians, 
and, and chapter 2, you're going to hear about the mystery. And if you jump into uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3, you're going to see that, that we are hidden uh, uh, in Christ with God, seated with him in the heavenly places. And then it says, therefore, as the beloved children of God, those seated in glory with him right now, take a look at what it says in Colossians 3, verses 12 through verse 15. This is a list, a partial list of the riches of his glory, the riches of his great manifest character. By the way, some of you who have spent some time with me know that the word glory means light or literally to make magnified, big. In other words, God's glory, to make God big in our lives so people can see him. But if you do a deep study on glory, it literally is the manifest character of God, his character qualities in us. So let's read Colossians 3 verses 12 through 15. So as those who have been chosen of God, there it is, chosen of God once again, called through the gospel so that we might gain the, the riches of the glory of Christ Jesus. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on, adorn yourself like the rich man adorns himself in amazing clothing. You adorn yourself with the amazing clothing of Christ, the character of Christ. It says, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. You know, I was able to put on this nice, nice suit this morning, and I was able to put on this nice lapel pin. Anne and Oleg, this is for you. It's a flag of the United States and a flag of Belarus. How I, how I love the saints here in the United States, but I love the saints there in Belarus as well. And I was able to put these on because I own them. I possess them. They're mine. I couldn't have put them on if I didn't own them and I didn't possess them. So notice, we're being called by God to put on what we already possess through the Spirit. We possess complete compassion of Christ in us through the Spirit. Now we need to adorn our lives, our words and our deeds with compassion so that people can see the manifest character of God in his church. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit, so that we would possess the riches of his glory now in our bodies. So these hands would become not instruments or weapons of evil, as it says in Romans 6, but these would actually become weapons of righteousness. Literally, compassion and, and uh, uh, kindness and gentleness and patience and, and being forgiving and loving like the love of Jesus Christ. All of these are character qualities of God. And we possess them. Therefore, we can adorn our lives with them in our words and our deeds. Now, what happens if you don't? What happens if you don't put on these wonderful, amazing, glorious character qualities of Christ. No one's going to know you're a Christian and you're not going to be able to have any power in influencing anybody for good. 
In fact, the sad thing is, if you don't put on the character quality of Christ, you adorn yourself, you're filled with the Spirit, you have his riches, but you're dressed in filthy rags. Even though you have all the riches of glory in you, when you act like people in the world, you're dressing yourself in filthy rags. God wants us to know that we have all the riches of his glory dwelling within us through the Holy Spirit for the express purpose of moving to point number three. Why did he give us the riches of glory? That's a great question. He empowered us so that we could serve him. Now let's take a look at that third point. The reason that we have been given the riches of glory is so that we can adorn ourselves. Adorn ourselves with, with, with kindness. Adorn ourselves with patience. Uh, adorn ourselves with uh, 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 gentleness and for an express purpose. Let's look at a couple verses right now in looking at point number three. Point number three is, why has he given us his riches of glory? Ephesians 3, verse 8, 9, and 10. Go back to Ephesians. Ephesians 3, verse 8, 9, and 10. Again, speaking of uh, his great glory, listen to verse 8. And Paul here is talking about what God has called him to be and do. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. In the context, by the way, of Ephesians 3 through 10, talking about the mystery Christ in you. So here we go. Verse 8. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace or gift was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light, to make known what is the administration of the mystery. That word administration is great. Do your own Bible study on this. It means the house law or the house standard. And of course, we are the house of God and the Holy Spirit, the mystery. It says the administration of the mystery. The mystery is Christ in you. What is the standard for Christ in you. Uh, literally, you're a new creation. There's a new creation standard as we talked about before a few weeks ago. And that new creation standard is faith working through love. And so this, this powerful character of Christ can be manifest in us and through us. That's the administration of the mystery. That's the house standard uh, for life in Christ. But it goes on and it says, Verse 9, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church, through the church, uh, to uh, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose with which he carried out uh, in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see that when we manifest the glorious character of Christ, not only do human beings see it, and they will see it, by the way, they'll see the manifest character of Christ. No strings attached. We're genuine. We're sincere. As one verse says, we're not peddling the word of God, but from sincerity, from God, we are living a life that is a sweet aroma. So it's so important for us to recognize here that we are actually manifesting God's amazing glory to the, the heavenly hosts. Those who have fallen, now demons, 
And those who have remained faithful in their position as angels, they see us and they know that God is both completely loving and completely just because he bore all of our sins in his body on the cross, paying for and punishing our sins in his son, Jesus Christ. But then he's given us of his spirit so that we might live righteously for him. You see, Satan chose self. The demons chose self. The other angels that did not fall have continued to choose to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we can prove that's the right choice by our choosing to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, by using his powerful riches of glory manifest in our bodies to not only bless our families, but to bless those who are not yet his. Now, I want to look at another verse here quickly. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. So all you got to do is turn the page. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. Here we go. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk or live in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Remember, we were called, chosen, and called through the gospel of Jesus Christ that we might possess the riches of his glory. Remember that in 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2 and verse 13 and 14? You see, here we are called to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called through the gospel. And then he tells us what that looks like. Look at the next verse, verse 2. With all humility, doesn't that sound familiar from Colossians 3 and verse 12? With all humility and gentleness and, and, and patience, doesn't that sound familiar? Showing tolerance for one another, that sounds familiar too. In love being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. How powerful is are the riches of his glory that we would be united as one because we are possessing and manifesting his riches so that we'll love each other with the love of Jesus Christ. We'll be patient with each other with the patience of Jesus Christ. And we'll be humble and serving each other with the humility of Jesus Christ. There's power in the riches of glory as we put them on and adorn our words and our actions with these amazing, powerful character qualities of God that we now possess through his indwelling present Holy Spirit. Now, I want to close with one last passage. What does it actually look like and how powerful is it that we, our lives, are adorned with these riches of glory? Once again, you've heard me say this, and I'm going to keep bringing it up. It's such a powerful passage, a great visual. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 24. I have made this passage of scripture my marching orders in Christ Jesus. And I, and I strive to live this way always. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. Here are the riches of glory manifest in our daily lives and the power it has to destroy the work of the devil in the world. Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and following. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all. There's one of the facets of God's glory. There's one of the riches of his glory, kindness. 
But the Lord's bondservant must be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong. There's another one of the riches. With gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. There's another one of the riches. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. You know, if you go back to the book of Romans in chapter 2, it says it's by the kindness of the Lord and the patience of the Lord that we are granted repentance so that we might, might not suffer condemnation. God is patient with you. God is kind towards you for salvation's sake. And notice it says that we as his ambassadors, we as his children, having been given the riches of glory, are to be what? Are to be kind are to be gentle, are to be patient with others so that, that God may grant them the opportunity to repent and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. You want to really change the world? Well, then you need to put on, if you're a Christian this morning, you need to put on the character qualities of Christ. I don't care if you know the whole Bible. If you're not putting on the character qualities of Christ that you have been given, you're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, as the Apostle Paul says. The substance of Christ's riches is manifest in our words and our deeds. Through what? Through humility and compassion and kindness and gentleness and, and forbearance and forgiveness and love. All of those. So important, brethren, that you understand now what are the riches of his glory, that you now possess them through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and you're called to manifest or adorn yourself with these character qualities because you own them. They're yours in Christ Jesus. And if you do, not only will all the angels in heaven see that remain there faithful in service, see that that's the right choice because they see you being blessed by God and others being blessed by God because you're manifesting the, the riches of his glory but you'll also reach the hearts of those in the world that they might be drawn into eternal life as well. There's power in the fullness of deity in us, having given us all the riches of his glory. Will you with me rise up and walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called? That's what this lesson's all about this morning. That's why Paul prayed, I pray that the eyes of your heart might know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints so that we would have power. And we're going to work on that lesson next week. What kind of power? Power that can move mountains. Power that can change the world. And we've seen it already done and all we need to do is walk after the master. And so I pray that your week is blessed as you remember these things. But as we go into the week, we want to turn our attention to what the Lord Jesus has done for us. It's time for the Lord's Supper. It's time to break bread together, brethren. It's time to remember the great sacrifice. And I'm going to have you turn now with me to the book of Ephesians and chapter 5. If you haven't noticed, Ephesians is a very powerful book in teaching us about what it means to be a new creation, 
what it means to be a child of God. And in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, I want to use these this morning for our Lord's Supper meditation. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. There's so much in that passage of scripture and I could preach a sermon and I know time has has uh, passed by and, and I don't want to take any more of your time, but just for us to remember what Christ did for us so that we might do the same for him. As beloved children, we are to be imitators of God. We are to imitate, to follow the exact pattern and example that Jesus left us. That is to love all peoples by laying down our lives in service to them. Remember, Jesus said, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. And you remember on the last day, we're either going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest, or depart from me, cursed one, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And it's all based upon what those saints did. Jesus was hungry and we fed him. He was thirsty and we gave him drink. It was very simple. We, we sacrificed ourselves to serve others. But those who are self-serving, those are the ones who will be cast away. So we need to remember the love of Jesus Christ this morning and throughout this week. The love of Jesus Christ is manifest in his sacrifice. As we come around the table this morning, once again, we do not want to forget ever that the unleavened bread represents his life lived sacrificially for us every moment and then he was willing to die on the cross and shed his blood that our sins would be washed away and now he continues to serve us and serve through us in this day we are seated with him in the heavenly places he has filled us with his holy spirit we do have now the power that he had faith and his presence to live a holy and blameless life. A life that manifests his character, his glory. And it's been accomplished because his blood washed away our sins and he gave us his Holy Spirit. Let's not forget this week. Remember, this is a memorial feast. Not just to be partaken of and then forgotten, but to remember. Remember throughout the week who we are. We are Christ ones, Christians, Christ ones manifesting the riches of his glory. Let's pray. How thankful we are for the blessing, O Lord, to remember the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Remembering the sacrifice that was given for us individually. But Father, remembering the sacrifice throughout the week that we would give for those around us, both friends and family, brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who don't yet know you. Father, help us to remember this sacrifice and help us to be imitators and lay our lives down in love. We ask this now as we partake of this unleavened bread and this uh, uh, grape juice, new wine. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining today and I would ask that you would continue to pray for the prayer request and specifically the one that uh, Jane Hoffman asks is that 
quickly we would return to being present in our assemblies. Uh, Face-to-face presence is always so important and so powerful. But remember, it's the heart, mind, and soul presence when we're there that is also critically important. So let's pray that way. Pray for a great week for the brethren around the country and around the world. I just thank you so much for joining this morning. And if you are able to join us on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock for our new series entitled God and Government, a historical, biblical, and constitutional perspective, that would be wonderful. Thank you very much for joining and have a great week. Goodbye. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.